Well, good morning. Let me add to Pastor Jackie's welcome. It's great to have you here with us. My name's Brad. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, it is fantastic to have you in the room with us this morning. Great to have you online as well, if you're with us. Um, And if it's your first time, special welcome. And if you're uh, normally in SBC Kids... A very big warm welcome. Great to have you here. Great to have you sitting down the front. There's more room down the front here, kids, if you want to sit down and distract me. That'd be fantastic. I mean, listen intently and take notes. That's, I know that's what you're doing. Um, hey, I want to uh, just take a moment just to pray for a couple of needs in our church. Um, over the last couple of weeks, there's been um, a couple of things happen to some of our loved ones. Uh, Rod Frasca has had... Uh, multiple strokes and is uh, due to have some pretty big surgery this week, uh, I think on Thursday. Uh, and so we want to be praying for him and Lynn and, um, and the whole family this morning. And then young Darren, uh, if you know young Darren's had a, a bad accident with his, one of his hands and so he's in surgery as well today uh, for that. And so we want to be praying for him and for Scott and Tamara and for the girls uh, and everyone involved. And so if you want to join your faith with mine, let's pray. So God, we lift up these two precious ones to you and, and others that we know that are, that are sick or unwell or uh, have, have big needs in their life. God, we know that you are a healing God, a miracle working God, God, that you're a God of the impossible. You're a God who spoke and creation came into being. And you're a God who breathes life into our very beings. And so God, we lift up Rod and Darren to you, especially right now. And God, we pray for you. Uh, your healing touch to come over their bodies in Jesus' name. We pray for peace and for comfort for family members and for, for friends, for all who are concerned, God. We, just, we know that you love them more than we do. You care greater than we do. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to, to be at peace. We pray for, for Lynn. We pray for Scott and Tamara. Uh, and, God, we just pray that for the doctors and nurses and everyone involved, God, that they would have wisdom. They would have knowledge of what to do and how to do it, and and when to do it. And so, God, we just pray for your guidance and your peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. Um, And so continue to pray for for both Darren and for for Rod um, and for the families involved over this this week especially. Um, The other bit of news that I wanted to give you this morning is that uh, we've had James McIver start... Um, in the admin office, you may have noticed in the newsletter, there's a little note about that. And so we want to welcome James to that role. Sometimes James is here, uh, but James has been helping uh, another Baptist church down the, down the road in uh, Rokeby Baptist, sort of every second week preaching and, um, and leading down there. And so he's a great asset to our team. You'll see him up here occasionally preaching as well. So you, you, he's probably familiar to you, but if you call the office, if you get an email from James, don't just ignore it. Maybe take notice of it, at least for the first few weeks, um, always, and uh, give him, some, give him some, um, some grace as he learns the ropes and, and figures out how to do that. Um, that's cool. Well, this morning is our fourth and final week of our vision series. We've been talking about being in his presence. Have you, I don't know if you've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying preaching it, um, listening to the sound of my own voice. Um, but this morning is a little different. We've got our all-in service, and what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at our four church values. And for some of us who have been in the church for a while, you're going to be like, huh, I know this. Uh, and so uh, maybe this is a good refresher for you. 
Uh, for those that are, are new in the last uh, two years especially, maybe you have seen them out on the foyer, you've seen them in our, on our website or just around the place in different places and thought, oh, I wonder what that one means or I'd like to hear someone explain that one a bit more. This morning's your morning. Um, it's going to be great. And I think it's, it's sort of like the core of, of who we are and who we desire to be. Uh, back in uh, 2021, 2020, we went through a whole process as a church of coming up with these values. These weren't just something that I penned and wrote down myself, but this was like a, we had forums and we had connect groups meeting and discussing these and leadership meetings discussing them. And, uh, and so we combined all the great ideas that people had of what we want to value most and into these four sort of core values. And it's not that we don't value other things too, but these are just who we decided we wanted to um, desire to become as a church. And so uh, we've got our all-in service, and I'm going to um, invite some kids up throughout my message to read out these values to us, because these aren't just for us adults, it's for us uh, in kids' ministry, in youth ministry, in connect groups, in every ministry, this is what we value. And I hope it's what you take home and value in your homes as well. And so the first one, Toby's going to come up, and he's going to read the first value for us. So it should be on the screen as well. Um, take it away, Toby. Home for all, there is room for you. There is a seat at the table just as you are. We all need a saviour and redemption. A church for the unchurched. Awesome. Thank you, Toby. You can give him a clap. So in Luke 15, verses 1 to 2, it says, All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching and listening to him. This is Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, This man welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. I don't know what your house is like. I've talked about this a few times, but um, our house, um, we often, especially on a nice day like today, we'll have our front door just like wide open. There's no fly screen. I know it's probably not that great. There's always flies inside, but it's just the way it is. Um, and oftentimes, um, there's different kids that live in the street and around the place that um, friends with our boys and now Eden as well, and they'll wander up and, and wander in. But occasionally... Um, it's, it's more than people that walk in. Um, we've got a, a friendly cat that used to live next door that would wander in and sometimes we'd find it on our bed um, or other places of the house. Uh, and the other week, um, I noticed that halfway down our hallway was a magpie just <laughs> trotting on in and I just had to trot it on out. Um, we like to say this is a value at our house. We're a home for all and literally a home for, a, for all things, all people. Uh, and people that are like us, people that are unlike us, people that aren't even people, uh, we want to welcome in. And this is the value this, that this tries to, to capture, is that we want to be a church that is, uh, that is home for all, that is ready to welcome in everyone. And that's what Luke 15, Jesus was going on to share in three parables, and we don't have time to unpack them all, uh, but you can read those three parables in Luke 15, where Jesus is accused of being too welcoming. That is, sitting with people that we would go, mm, oh, that's just not comfortable. I don't like that he's sitting with those people. I don't like that he's having meals with those people. I don't like that he's um, spending more time with those people. He made the religious people uncomfortable. And this value can do that for us as well. It can make our religious bones uncomfortable. 
And I hope it does in some ways that makes us a little bit like, ugh, a little bit uncomfortable. Um, you know, there's uh, a great building, you might not think it's great, in Melbourne called the, um, the Arts Spile, the Exhibition Centre, I think it's called, and it's like, this is the, the picture of it. And we've shared this picture as well um, when we talked about this value in the past, that it's, it's a great uh, visual of what this home for all value is like, that it's uh, low on the sides, but there is a high calling. That while we are home for all, don't feel like I'm preaching a watered-down, airy-fairy gospel. Uh, there is still truth to find, and that we'll talk about that in, our, in our next value in a minute. Um, but really, this idea is this is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. The good news is for everyone. There is easy entry, but there is high commitment. We talk about this idea that we belong before we believe. And then as we belong and then we in turn believe, then transformation happens and we behave, if you like, in the way that God would want us to. Home for all, there is room for you. If there is room for me, there is room for you. Um, Jesus, like I said, was a friend of sinners. He was accused of being a drunk and welcoming sinners and eating with them. And Jesus, you notice, he never denied these accusations. He wasn't a drunk, but he was living in such a way that the religious elite of the day thought, it's too much, too much compromise. Matthew 11, verses 18 to 19, it says, John didn't spend his time eating and drinking, as, and you say he's possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. You know, Jesus in his ministry on earth wasn't just here to draw crowds, but to make disciples. And we can think and assume that this value means that we're lowering the standard, watering down the gospel. But that's not what it's about. It's about showing people the gate to the narrow road and not making them jump a fence to find the gate first or find the road first. You can come in as you are, and Jesus takes all, but he changes us all. And this verse, wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Wisdom is shown to be right by its results. That when Jesus welcomes sinners, there is transformation that happens in these people's lives. It's about the fruit. Are we seeing people come to know Jesus, to be transformed by his love and his grace? And this other part of the value is that there is a seat at the table. A seat at the table. I don't know what your house is like, but our house, we have enough seats around our table for each person in our family. Uh, we don't have a table too small for our family, but, and, we're, and I understand this is not true for everybody, but we have a table that's big enough to accommodate our five members of our family. And so there's a seat at the table for each one. We don't think, oh, Eden's here for dinner. Oh, no, better find an extra chair. Um, we sort of have it already assumed that she's going to be there. Um, and this is, this, I like this idea because a seat at the table for everyone, that we are ready and expectant for people to come in and take their place, not just in this room, but in our family. And that means for people that are new, that people that are turning up, that we value your presence with us. And we want you to not just spectate and sit in a crowd, but participate in the family. 
as our kids get older and older, there is expectation that they would put their shoes back where they got them from at the end of the day, that they would contribute to the house, that they would take responsibility. And so this idea of that there is a seat at the table is, we want that to be true of everyone that calls SBC home, that you don't just turn up, but you participate, you serve, you contribute, that there's encouragement, there's accountability, there's service, there's care. We aren't a church of spectators, but we're a church of participators. You know, um, I was reading last week, two weeks ago, about this research, it came out of the States, but I think it'd be true for here, here in Australia as well, that the bigger a church gets, the less people serve. The bigger a church gets, the less people give. When the table gets bigger, it's easier to think that someone else must be doing that. Someone else must be supporting that. Someone else must be noticing that issue and fixing it up. And that's a real challenge for us as we grow and as we have a church uh, full of people and full of people that are passionate about Jesus that we don't want to assume, but we want to encourage you, get involved, take your place at the table. And uh, we grow as we go, and we'll talk about that as value four. But Jesus takes his disciples as they are and takes them on a journey and gives them a role to play. All right, we're going to run out of time. So we're going to move to the next one. Okay, it's home for all, there is room for you. There is a seat at the table just as you are. We all need a saviour and redemption, a church for the unchurched. Easy in, high commitment. Let's show people to the open gate. We're not going to close the gate and make them climb it. All right, second value. Hannah, come and read the second value for us. It's on. Truth seekers producing Jesus wherever he takes us. God reveals his truth through the Bible and we actively embrace his wisdom on all matters of life. Awesome job. Thank you, Hannah. All right, so in Luke 6, 46 to 49, it says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person who builds his house, building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. I don't know if you've ever been part of a, any sort of building projects or um, done any sort of renovations before where you've had to work with the foundations of a house or a, or a structure before, but it often gets dirty before it looks good. Um, I know that's done some renovations at our house before and part of me never wants to do it again just because of, the, of how dirty things get. How much you're just tracking mud through places and you're digging holes and finding, oh, there's more sand here or not deep enough or it's not solid enough. But building foundations is so important to the structure being sound. And this truth-seeking value is about strengthening foundations. It's not always pretty. The wrestle can hurt. It can get a bit dirty at times, but without it, we easily collapse. Truth seekers pursuing Jesus wherever he takes us. But unlike foundations for the house, 
our truth seeking is not a job that just gets finished and then we go, oh, we've got it. Now we can just do what we like. This truth seeking is a constant work in us, in us as individuals and in us as a church. It's a lifelong faithful obedience in the direction that Jesus takes us. So if the first value is home for all, there is room for you. I would say that there is room for you to wrestle with God's word. And this goes hand in hand, that we are truth-seeking. We're not truth-telling, although we do tell the truth. We do um, preach the truth. I'll continue to do that. But rather, we're truth-seeking. And the difference is the posture. The difference is the posture, is that we are humble as we approach God's word. But we are ready to be taught by His Spirit. That we don't go in assuming we know everything. But we are truth-seeking, and we allow the tr- we allow Jesus to to teach us, to transform us. I can guarantee, if I was to ask each of us a whole lot of theological questions, we'd probably have a hundred different opinions on a, on a whole lot of different things. And which one of us is right? Obviously, it's me. But you guys catch you up one day it's all you know we obviously all have little things that we just have little differences of opinion on and different understandings on but we are truth seekers together we want to seek what what's God's truth what does he think about this what does his word say this is building on the rock strong and secure we are not threatened by truth but we embrace the truth we're able to engage with people who have diversity of opinion um, because we're, our foundation is strong. We're not going to be so insecure that we're knocked over by someone who might have a different of opinion to us. What we know we wrestle with and the more we wrestle, the more we understand and the stronger our foundations become. You know, in Corinthians, Paul talks about this idea that I see imperfectly now, but one day I will see perfectly that even Paul, the great apostle who, read, who wrote half of the New Testament, had this understanding that I know I don't fully see. There is parts that I don't fully understand, but one day I will. You know, this um, is true that no one has ever argued into the kingdom of God. No one has ever argued into the kingdom of God. The, the way into the kingdom of God is through faith, through the God's work and activating our understanding of grace in our life. Because if you could be argued into the kingdom of God, you could just as easily be argued out. It's important because truth serves love. Truth serves love. God is love, and in his love, he leads us in truth. But it's important to know his motivation is love. And for a lot of us, leading people in truth is often motivated out of the need to be right, not out of love. When I need to be right, when being wrong is a threat to my identity, I'm not living in love, but I'm living in fear. And 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 tells us that the purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with a love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. And love is important because we are pursuing a God of love, this God who is love. And it's his love that drives, us, drives him to forgive and to redeem us. It's his love for us that drove him to send his son to die for us. Not his truth, but his love. 
truth serves love. And in seeking truth, we aim to be like the disciples. Not like Pharisees. You know the difference between the Pharisees and the disciples? Pharisees were full of pride. Disciples were full of humility. So the Bible is our compass and Jesus is our leader and we pursue truth. We embrace whatever the Word says. Whatever the Bible says, even when we, it rubs us the wrong way, we embrace it. We take God at His Word. Truth seekers pursuing Jesus wherever He takes us. God reveals His truth through the Bible and we actively embrace His wisdom on all matters of life. All right, third value is Esther's going to come and read the third value for us when she finds her piece of paper. You might, you might remember it by heart, Esther. Not quite yet. Praying people, believing for the impossible. Pray causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. The Spirit of God works through us and speaks to us in a supernatural way. Awesome. Thank you, Esther. 1 John 5, verses 13 to 15, it says this, I have written this to, uh, to you who, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us, we make our requests. We also know that he will give us whatever we ask for. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what if? Like, what if I didn't do this? What if I didn't make that mistake in my past? Or what if I went to the gym every day for the last 10 years instead of thinking maybe I'll start tomorrow? Or what if I ate healthier? Or what if I was more loving? Or what if I prayed more? Sometimes I ask this, what if believers really believed? What if we prayed first? What if we were a church who prayed first? What if we believed that there was power in Jesus and and in God and in the way he listens to our words? What if we believe that God hears us? Not only that, but he hears us and he answers our prayers. My kids, I use my kids' illustrations all the time, and they sort of love it. They're still young enough for that. But they often come up to me, Dad, 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 can I have this, can I have this? Sometimes it's, yeah, sure, no worries, but sometimes it's like, no, not yet. You're not old enough, or it's not right. Um, give me a second, though, or, or give, it a, give it a year, whatever time it is. Because as a father, and as uh, and Alana, as a, as a mum, there's some things that we just know better than they do. We have a better understanding of what's good for them and what's not. We're not always right. We're imperfect and we get it wrong. But our Father in heaven is perfect. He never gets it wrong. Know this, God hears you when you pray, but it, it doesn't always mean that he'll answer straight away. It doesn't always mean he'll do the things straight away. But he loves you and he hears your voice. Your prayers matter to him. Often in the scripture, there's um, sort of a, an idea of prayer and worry, sort of the, the opposites. We, we worry about things or we pray about things. And Jesus tells us that we should not worry about things, but instead seek his kingdom, pray, seek God. If prayer causes things to happen that wouldn't happen 
if we didn't pray. It's because we pray. It's because we don't worry and we don't let that um, take over our life, but we instead turn to God. For some of us, prayer is not our default. Warriors, we are great at worrying. If worrying was a spiritual gift, we'd have it for sure. We know how to do it. We know how to stay awake at night, worrying about something. I don't know. If, have you had moments like this? I definitely have all the time. And actually, just this week, I was listening to the radio and, and the, the presenter, I can't remember who it was, was talking about this idea of staying awake at night. And he said, he's not a believer, but he said, you know what I do when I can't get asleep, get back to sleep at night because I'm worrying about things, you know, that 4 a.m., your mind's just going crazy. I just begin to list the things that I'm grateful for. And I thought, I reckon that's a pretty biblical idea. Uh, rejoice always, you know. In all things, give thanks. That instead of worrying about things, we can think about the things we're grateful for. We can fix our attention on the good things. Matthew 6, 25 to 27, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. They just walk through your front door for all that. No. If your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you more, far more valuable than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I mean, it's just like, oh, of course not. Of course not. And this is in the context of Jesus preaching on prayer, Matthew 6. Jesus is teaching on prayer. He says, don't worry. Easier said than done, right? Easier said than done. But still God asks us to pray. And the effects of prayer. Prayer causes things to happen that, we, that wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. It changes us. Often prayer changes us more than it changes the situation. And my hope and prayer and desire is that we would be a praying church, that we would have this prayer culture where we pray first. Reaction-type prayers. There's something going on. Let's pray. Before we do anything else, let's pray first. That we pray with. You know, often you'll hear Christians say, oh, I'll be praying for you. That's a great thing to do. It's a great thing to say. But I'd love us to be a church. Oh, can we pray now? Can I pray with you? Can we pray about that now? That we pray for. You know, we can worry and we can get annoyed at people in different situations. And again, there's no fruit in worry. There's no fruit in grumbling. But there is fruit in prayer. So pray for people. Pray for situations. Pray for your boss that you don't like. Pray for your kids that drive you to love them in great amounts. Pray for the government. Pray for your friends. Pray for that person next to you that is elbowing you right now. Pray for people. Pray for situations, good and bad. And pray praise. You know, and this is, I suppose, what we've been talking a lot about this year so far is being in his presence and seeking the heart of God. That we turn to God and we fix our attention on him. We get our mind and our focus on, on who he is and what his purpose and plans are and believe that change comes as we pray praise. Praying people, believing for the impossible. Prayer causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. The Spirit of God works through us and speaks to us in a supernatural way. All right, and our fourth value. Harry's going to come up and read this one.
Ready as we are, growing as we go, God uses ordinary people to achieve extraordinary things. We are changing to become more like Jesus. Awesome job, thanks, Matt. In Luke 9, 1 to 6, it says, One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Don't take nothing. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned these people to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. Ready as we are, growing as we go. We like playing hide-and-seek at home sometimes. Um, and whoever is the, the seeker, they want to count the shortest amount of time as possible, don't they? They just want, like, give me five seconds so I can go find. And then the, the hiders are, I'm not ready yet. And I don't know what the optimal time for hide-and-seek counting is. Uh, for, the, for the seeker, it's five seconds. For the hider, it's a couple of hours but are you ready yet? Are you ready yet? And the hiders always, oh, not quite. I mean, they're never ready yet. And that's why we say, ready or not, here we come. The seekers are seeking. And they don't want to wait any longer. In fact, the longer they wait, the harder it is sometimes to find someone accessible with the gospel. Ready as we are, accessible, discipleship focused. This is what this value is all about. It embodies the mission that we're on, making disciples, going and telling. You know, Jesus sends out these 12, and then uh, I think the next chapter in Luke 10, uh, he sends out the 72, and it's basically the same instruction, like, go out, I've given you power and authority, don't take anything for the journey. Go and preach the good news. But he gives us the power and authority to go out. Without the power and authority, we have no hope. Because if, if it's in our power and in our authority, and sometimes that's what we think when we think about going and making disciples, then we don't do it. Because we say, oh, well, I can't convince someone to follow Jesus. I don't know the right words. I don't know the answer to all their tough questions. But when Jesus sends us out in his power and authority, it doesn't matter. We go with what we do know. And we trust God with the rest. It requires the presence of God in us and amongst us. It requires the Spirit of God at work in people's lives for them to come to faith. It doesn't require you having a PhD in theology. No revival, no miracle happens without seeking God and seeing Him at work. The mission is not about talking people into it. If you can talk someone into something, someone else can talk them out of it. It has to have the power and authority of Jesus to make a difference. And this truth gives, I don't know about you, but it gives me great confidence because it's not dependent on me having the smart words to say or a convincing argument, but it's dependent on the Spirit of God. Jesus would say, don't wait until you're prepared, but go as you are, you are ready. Just start the journey. And sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm not ready to fill that role. That's how I feel every day doing this role. I I never feel ready. I never feel like I've got what it takes or understand enough. 
And maybe you think the same about me, and I'm sorry for that, but I just am obedient to what I feel God's calling me to do anyway. And I hope and pray that you would do the same. Ready as we are, growing as we go. And in Luke 10, like I mentioned, Jesus sends out a wider group of 72. And these are the people whose names we don't know. The stories we're not told about. And I think the idea of discipleship has sometimes missed this idea, that it's become a professional job. That we have discipleship courses, and we have paid pastors, and we have people that are trained in the right areas to do the discipleship the way God would want. But I don't think that's Jesus' um, heart and his idea of what it would take to, to go out and make disciples. I think he's calling all of us to do it, as we are. I don't know about you, but I want to grow in my walk with Jesus. And as I go and do what he's called me to do, as I'm faithful to, and obedient to, to do the things, even when I feel like I'm not qualified or not where I should be, that's when I see growth in my life. That's when I see growth in my faith. That's when I become more dependent on Jesus and less dependent on myself. As you step out in faith and go, you will grow in your walk. As we engage in the mission that God has for us, we'll see him work a miracle, not only in others' lives, but in our lives as well. I love this verse in Acts 4, verse 13. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized as men who had been with Jesus. Ordinary people, extraordinary mission. You know, often the people in the, in the Bible that God uses are not the brightest, not the, the quickest or the strongest or any of those things, although he does use a, a few of them, but often they're the youngest or the scrawniest or the silliest or the people who make mistakes all the time. And he uses them to, to fulfill his mission. And so whatever category you find yourself putting yourself in, you're in the right place for God to use you. You're the right person for God to use. In John 9, 25 to 27, there's a, a miracle that God, a miracle that Jesus uh, does in, in a, a blind person's life and makes them see again. And this is just part of the end of the conversation. And he's being quizzed about who's this Jesus, what did he do? And the man answered, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. And they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I already told you, he said. And you don't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? I just love this interaction because this man who was blind and is now seen has just had one interaction with Jesus, one experience of Jesus, and he's told these people, this is what happened, this is what I experienced. Do you want to become his disciples too? Like, do you want to follow him too? Like... I don't know what else to tell you. That's all I've got. And this is the ready as we are, growing as we go value, embodied. And so these four values, they are who we are and who we desire to be. And as we live like this, going and walking with Jesus, transformation happens for, those, for us and for those around us. I don't know about you, but this makes me excited that if we were a church that fully embraced these values, 
embracing them as our church, in our ministry teams, in our generational ministries, in our connect groups, the impact that we might have, the impact God might have through us for his kingdom. And so I want to ask you this morning as the team comes up and as we worship, that is, are you in? Are you ready to commit, recommit to these values, to embody these values, to take them home and embody them at home as well? In our kids, in our youth, that we embrace these values. And, and as we come together and are unified around who we are and what we'll do, the, the amazing things that God will do through us and in us. Can we stand together and pray? Lord God, we give you so much praise and honour. We thank you that you are a God who, who works miracles. You're a God who welcomes us in as we are. You're a God who gives us your truth through your word. You're a God who hears our prayers. And you're a God who empowers us to fulfill the Great Commission and the mission you have us on. God, I pray that that we might be a people who embrace what you embrace, who value what you value, and to be the people you want us to be. And God, we pray as we do that, that we would see people come to know you, that we would see lives transformed, and we would see your name lifted high. God, I pray for anyone here who feels that they're, they're not welcomed in or they don't know what your truth is or they don't know how to pray for you or they don't feel like they're empowered to go. God, that you, your spirit might be at work in them even now, showing them your goodness and your grace and your mercy. God, we turn to you in this moment and ask that you would have your way in us, in this church. Help us to follow you with everything we have and everything we are. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.